It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Looking at the Dow futures uh, overnight. Pretty volatile, pretty volatile, excuse me, going up and down was up as much as almost 900, now up 579, went down to about 520 and now going back up again. So it is like watching a roller coaster. Yeah. So Dow futures up, oil is uh, up, some of the st- leading stock uh, futures, uh, the majority of the leading stock futures overnight are energy companies. Mm. So uh, and and uh, rebounding pretty good. Uh, but uh, now over 600. So, like I said, you could <laughs> I, I could sit and look at this all night and drive myself crazy. I can't imagine doing this all day. No, no would, I wouldn't want to do that for you, a living. You said yesterday you were there at the beginning. I was asleep still, but you saw the beginning of it. Wow, that must have been a trip. Uh, yeah, and, and as soon as it opened, it was just plunge. And then it hit that 7% mark, uh, and the rules say that they stop it for 15 minutes, so they froze it uh, for 15 minutes. Um, and then they opened it later. It, it went down even, even further. Um, it, but you see, I guess the, the buying opportunities now, the question is, are those short-term buying opportunities? Is it just a, a, a couple of sectors leading the way here? The energy sector is not a small one, but when Exxon, like Exxon Mobil lost, uh, a great deal, uh, a pretty good chunk and, and they're, and their price on their stock. But then, of course, when you do the math, you know that ExxonMobil is going to be around. They're going to survive this short-term hit, and that's what buyers do. They look at, at who the big survivors are, and that's where you put your money in because that drop gave you an opportunity to go in that direction and should make for some decent profits. We'll see what happens. Asian markets up uh, also uh, overnight. Uh, Europe... Uh Europe stocks haven't opened up, uh, haven't mm-hmm. opened yet. So, uh, West Texas Intermediate crude up uh, roughly five percent since yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, right. that's you know that's where we are right now, and we'll see what happens. Uh, the the uh, the the president's supposed to be discussing with uh, Senate leaders what they want to do, whether there's going to be a payroll tax, what kind of relief, because he talked about relief to the airline companies, whether they defer taxes or do uh, whatever. You and I talked about, I believe it was last Friday before I took off that. Uh, and I don't know whether other airports are doing it, but it was a story that uh, Dallas Fort Worth Airport is is cutting the the landing fees mm-hmm. and and other fees and other lease fees uh, and a significant amount. I think it was landing fees of something like sixteen percent mm-hmm. uh, for the the uh, the airliners out there. So uh, you know we we see that there is a worry, especially in the transportation industry, as to uh, you know where it's going to go. But the the president's talked about some type of relief for transportation and, you know, airlines and other companies out there. So I guess we'll see where they go on it. Democrats, completely different plane. They're talking about uh, extending unemployment insurance and uh, making paid leave mandatory. Right. That's I don't I don't believe that's going to happen. No, the long term things aren't aren't going to happen. So are they willing to uh, compromise on the left and just take go for the short term uh, stuff that is related directly to covid? Uh, that's that's what you those are the things that you want. Uh, you want some pretty strong sunsets on on all those measures. They're 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 either one time 
uh, within, you know, the next year, uh, and then maybe quite possibly would have to review, uh, and revisit some of that next year, depending on where the COVID virus is. Here's what I see happening. You're going to have the House pass something, uh, Democrat majority, the Senate pass something, goes to reconciliation, whatever comes out of that will be passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I see. Right. And, and, uh, I just don't see, I, I don't see family, uh, I don't see paid leave, permanent paid leave as part of it. Might there be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. How do you prove you had coronavirus? You and I talked about the fact that, well, if you're going to have, if you're going to have paid leave for coronavirus and coronavirus, uh, uh, only, are you going to put that on the companies? Are you saying the government's going to take care of that? Then how do you prove to the government, boy, is that ripe for fraud? How do you prove to the government that you had coronavirus and how many days that you missed? Well, and there's the there's the other part of it. Now you're getting into the uh, the HR and payroll aspect of any given company. And so assuming that they're talking about government stimulus here, and do you give the break to the companies and allow the companies to manage uh, the uh, the oversight of each individual case by employees. Um, there, you saw some private sector companies come out uh, and offer uh, relief uh, for part timers and for uh, people who didn't have, if they get the coronavirus, who don't have enough vacation or sick leave, and that will probably continue on a limited basis uh, because they most companies believe it's short term. And they certainly don't want someone with the coronavirus to show up to work. Right. So you incentivize it and say, hey, don't if you if you're symptomatic uh, or you've come into contact with somebody who's got the coronavirus quarantine, stay home for two weeks and we'll work it out on the other side. Because the last thing you can have right now in a tight labor market is a tighter labor labor market and being where you can't get, you know, uh, Productivity drops as a result of not having enough people. Uh, you know, that's the ultimate fear here is that you wouldn't have enough people, employees at any given job, at any given role in the society uh, to uh, to fulfill that that production. Uh, CBS News uh, previously reported the White House is considering tax relief measures, including deferrals for the airline crews and travel industries. Kudlow said, this is Larry Kudlow, economic advisor, said Friday that the administration is looking at timely and targeted financial aid for Americans hit hardest by the virus. We want to have this targeted in a timely fashion for those that have been hit the worst. Adding adding that he doesn't like to use the word bailout. Mm. (laughs) Democrat leaders uh, harshly criticized the administration's handling of the crisis and called on Republicans to expand Paid sick leave, unemployment insurance, and medical testing as the virus disrupts workplace across the country. Congress passed an $8.3 billion emergency spending package to ramp up efforts to fight the virus. So there's where we go. The president signed that measure uh, uh, last week. So where they go from uh, here, you know, who know, you know, I got a, uh, I got a uh, email from one of my credit card companies mm-hmm. on the coronavirus. Right. Advising us to do everything on the app. Don't, don't go out if it's not necessary. You don't have to go to the local branch. Mm-hmm. Do it on the app. Yeah. And the other one was if you're having trouble, if you've got the coronavirus or you're in self-quarantine or whatever, and you can't pay your credit card bill to uh, give the bank a call and they'll work out 
arrangements. It's, it's something I, I remember this when I was a bill collector. If somebody was having problems, we would have people that would call and and just you know before they ever went delinquent said, "Look, I've I've got problems. I can't pay for a couple of months. Can I pay just the interest?" And we said yes. Right. You know, right. I don't ever remember is anybody with. I don't remember ever refusing anybody who called and said that because mm-hmm. the one thing you want as a lending institution, if somebody is proactive mm-hmm. and doesn't go delinquent mm-hmm. and says, I'll just pay the interest. Well, you don't lose on that. Right. Right. As long as they hold their end of the bargain and, and they have in the past, um, they do right. make and even underwriters make uh, exceptions for certain scenarios. Uh, I have a, a family member who is an underwriter. Um, for Harley Davidson, and they and he told me that it's changed since the recession. You know, because what the recession told us were there were you know certain kinds of people that would just walk away from their obligations altogether, and others who, as a result of uh, the recession, uh, were in a certain situation they couldn't control, and they did the best that they could, and as you mentioned, they're proactive. So. It's a different type of consideration. I don't know what happens here. I don't know if, if because you had economists saying basically yesterday that a, a, a global recession is inevitable. Some of them were saying that. Then you had those saying in the, in the U.S. we now have a 50-50 chance of a recession between now and the end of the year. Well, it depends on, again... If they can get uh, any kind of stimulus package passed, that will give the market some confidence. Um, that will give uh, companies confidence that they're not going to be hit hard and and people can go about their business. It's not going to get back to where we were. I don't believe the Dow uh, at 29,000 and climbing is going to be back on track. I hope I'm wrong about this, by the way. I'd love to be wrong about this, but I don't see that happening between now and the end of the year, you certainly could get back into the upper 20s. But I don't know if we get back to where we were. It's going to take some time. Most believe, yeah, in does. fact, that, right. that the market, that those stocks were overpriced anyway, that we well, were due for a correction. We had talked about that at day one. We said, yep. well, how much of a, how much of it is a correction and will we have a better idea mm-hmm. when, you're, when we talk six months from now? And the other thing is whether a deal's quickly worked out for oil. Right. Yeah, which that's more likely that that will happen, you know, faster than the Dow recovery. Well, and yeah. that seemed to be the consensus from a lot of energy experts out there who look at it, looked at it and said, look, everybody loses. There is no reason to do, there is no reason for Russia and Saudi Arabia not to strike some kind of deal. By the way, isn't it interesting how everybody else controls their oil flow and we don't? Mm-hmm. Right. We don't. There's no government mandate. No. no here in the United no, States. No, no. We just, it's like, we, we produce it, we pump it, we sell it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, really, it is about, I mean, it is, it's that supply and demand. It is not that uh, upper hand like the OPEC member nations have, like Russia has. And that, and we don't want that. I mean, we, we don't want that kind of uh, control because it becomes political, obviously, very quickly. Um, do we want, uh, you know, and, and you see this price war again, uh, they can only, they can only just open the spigots and, and control their pricing for so long. They're not going to be, they're not going to be in this situation, uh, for very long. I, I suspect 
maybe a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but you look at West Texas, West Texas and, and North Dakota could ramp up again if they can remain profitable if you're at that, that point per barrel of profit. Right now, 3307 in uh, overnight change or in overnight uh, trading. So, which is, you know, again, is good. So, well, better than yesterday. Better, better than the, the <laughs> I won't 20, say, the I won't say good. Plus, well, it's, uh, I'll, take six, I'll take six bucks a barrel more, you know, right yeah. on the plus side, definitely. Um, but then you start looking to where we were, where we closed on Friday, and that was 41 and change. Mm hmm. Um, but again, it gets back to the, the supply and demand. There's going to be a great, I think there's probably going to be a great demand, especially it, it, when the transportation sector rebounds, you're going to see that demand go way up. And if production, if they reduce production in other parts of the world, you'll see those prices rebound back, probably back into the fifties or sixties. Well, the reason I'm an optimist is we have seen number one, the, the, the trade deals are all done in the United States. All right. But the, all that's been sort of held up by coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So once once we move on past this and the markets are like, OK, now now we are pretty sure what the situation is. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not that it, not that it doesn't still exist, but we now have a handle of how to price this in. And we realize it's not going to be to a pandemic level. And you, as you talk to the one researcher who helped, you know, name it the COVID-19 uh, 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 virus, mm-hmm. if this thing doesn't mutate, it'll it's a, you know, falling off the cliff event. Mm-hmm. And in essence, it it goes away. Yeah. And so if we if we get to that point, just because of uh, depleted inventories, because of the problem with the supply chain, just replenishing the inventories themselves can give you a great quarter of economic growth. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, and psychologically, that has a, a really, obviously, huge effect. I think the thing with uncertainty, you, what we saw in the recession was man-made uncertainty, mm-hmm. where we we just put a bunch of money in the banks because we didn't want uh, the public, they didn't want the public to know which of the, you know, the banks was in trouble it turned out there were only a few but they put money in the tills of all the banks well this is not a man-made uncertainty it is a it, it in fact it's quite the opposite well the coronavirus Man, isn't it, that's what i'm saying right the the oil is well this is well the the but the coronavirus was what was driving oil down before before they, yes. they walked right. away from the table right and that's why they were at the table mm-hmm. in the first place was to cut production because of the coronavirus so this gets back to one thing. This is not a man-made uh, situation here. This is something where, in fact, quite the opposite. Man will solve it because the entire globe is concerned about it. That kind of uncertainty brings about the the fastest solution right. you can but, get. But the crash, the crash yesterday, well, just was, yesterday, was, yes, was, but, the crash but just it all yesterday, relates back to coronavirus. The, right, it all does, mm-hmm. but the the man the man-made portion of it is the fact that they could not come to an agreement, and then when they could not, mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia made the decision to open up the spigots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and cut prices. And cut prices, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, so, But that's short-lived. That's not the yeah, bigger right, problem. Right. And so you get back to, again, that problem, and the world is going to find a solution uh, very quickly because everybody suffers if you don't. 866-90-RED-EYE. 
Spring weather can be unpredictable, from severe showers to surprise last-minute snowstorms and beyond. Preventive maintenance, however, is something you can always count on to help you prepare for the roads and unexpected weather ahead. Assess the condition of your truck tires now to help avoid unnecessary downtime later. Check your tire pressure before every trip to make sure it matches your load and that all tires are properly inflated. Changes in temperature naturally cause tire pressure to fluctuate. And with unpredictable air temperatures common in spring, now is a crucial time to keep tabs on your tire pressure. Protect one of your biggest operating costs with routine tire pressure checks and thorough pre-trip inspections. Stop into a TA truck service near you to learn more preventive tire maintenance tips. This maintenance tip is brought to you by TA Truck Service. More bays, more expertise, more solutions. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Take a look at the latest polls going into uh, Michigan and uh, six other states. As Bernie Sanders is calling it Super Tuesday 2.0. But uh, Bernie Sanders folks uh, have been very, very tough on Joe Biden, as we have said. One of them is Joe Rogan, the well-known comedian, actor, podcaster. And on his podcast, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I have this audio to play here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this audio to play here. Okay, uh, this is uh, from uh, the, uh, the the podcast. And, and Rogan, by the way, and it surprised a lot of us when he said he was for Joe Biden. It's like, really? You're a socialist communist? It's good to know. You mean he's for Bernie. What I say? Biden. He's for, he's, yes, he's for Bernie. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's for Bernie. Sorry. Right. Not for Biden. Thank you very much for correcting me. There's a big. He'll make it very clear here. Yes, here it is. Okay, here, here, here's from their podcast. Here we go. Wait. All these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, go. You know the. You know the thing. Stop. Pause. You can't be president. What? Stop. Pause. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what. I don't know what happened there. Hey, hang on. Hang on here. Let's. Let's. For some reason, I lost it. We'll get it back again. Here we go. All right. Here we go. You can't be president. What? Stop. Pause. Pause. Listen, we can't play any games here, folks. This is a, a really old man who can't talk. Like, this is not a joke. Like, that right now, you yeah. know the thing? Play that again. Play that again. This should get you into a mental hospital. Right. They should be like, hey, um, Joe, are you all right? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the... Go, you know the, you know the he thing. He had three strokes while he was saying that. <laughs> the first one, what was that word? Self-evident? Is that what we he said? We hold these truths to be self-evident. But yeah. it didn't even sound right. Hear it again. Listen to it. <laughs> We hold these truths to be self-evident. 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 He's drunk. <laughs> that dude's either drunk or he can't talk. We, we hold these truths to be self-evident. He shouldn't be doing this anymore. Self-ev- there you go. Yep.
It's a no malarkey morning. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. Look, I know that every single uh, political campaign eventually, or, or political party, eventually comes together for the nominee. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, try, take the... Include the Never Trumpers, include uh, every type of Republican out there. If you look at the support that Trump is getting, the support is there. Yeah, right. Now, maybe he didn't get the amount of support that that uh, another candidate might have gotten, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the 2016 election. Right. Maybe you can make that case because he was a complete and total outsider from the Republican Party and wanted to be an outsider, mm-hmm. ran on being an outsider. You can also say if he didn't run that way, he might not be president of the United States. Right. That Hillary would have won against a more generic Republican, whoever that generic Republican would be, that it was Trump because he was the way. And I actually tend to believe that's more true mm-hmm. because he was able to tap into more independence and even Democrats. And so when I look at the Democrats right now with what it looks like is going to happen today when we look at the polls here and the polls show Biden 15, Biden 12. This is in Michigan. Mm. Biden 24, Biden 21, Biden 41. And the last poll, Biden, this is the last poll before the election, which just came out this morning, Biden 21. He's going to take it. You were doing some figuring on a conservative level. Yeah. And how many, what do you see delegates he has by, uh, in a week? All right. So after Florida, a- after Florida, right. uh, and there's a couple other states, uh, that are up for grabs on that day. Illinois is another big grab. And so if you look at, at the, um, at, at where everything is, let me double check here too. There's Illinois, uh, and there's Florida next, uh, next, uh, week and also Ohio. All right. Uh, so if you look at that, um, and this is a conservative estimate based on how the, how the proportional, uh, allocation works and, and everything else and where they are right now, if you add up, uh, the, the states that he will get today and the states that, that Biden will get next week, uh, he could be sitting at well over 1300 delegates by a week from tomorrow in other words and and you know the day after mm-hmm. uh the 17th on the 18th when all is said and done um and i think that's uh, i again i think that's going to be a huge a huge tell it, it bernie will be trailing him likely by a couple hundred at that point he's trailing him right now by 74 i think somewhere around there according to the rules and and how everything's been allocated so far or will be allocated in in the wash basically um, and, and we'll see where that goes, but that's, that's a big deal. Um, and, Michigan, I mean, Michigan's right. going to be a big deal, but it looks like with all the polls, you see Biden winning with no issues at all today in Michigan. Uh, unless we had the upset like four years ago when yeah. the polls were saying maybe not as much because when you've got Biden 41, <laughs> Biden 24, yeah, that's not, those aren't just double digit, you know, figures. Those are double mega <laughs> digit figures right uh i guess my point is we played the 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 joe rogan audio cut or they're just laughing at by they're like this guy shouldn't be running for president right you we played michael moore from last week right. or last week we played michael moore 
this guy, Biden, can't be president. Uh, we played Jank Uger, who absolutely was just all over Biden. Right. The, uh, the other, you know, far uh, leftists out there. And that's the key. How much is that? How much of that? And that mindset that Biden is absolutely unacceptable. What will that do to keep people home? Now, I saw that AOC came out and said, yes, she would support the overall nominee. Do you think that people that think like Michael Moore, that think like Cenk Uger, that think like Joe Rogan are going to say, okay, let's get out there and support Biden? Right. That's the big question. Mm -hmm. And how will that suppress the number of people on the left in November that go out and vote for uh, uh, Biden? Everybody knows. Everybody knows and everybody is concerned about Joe Biden. That's why Bernie Sanders went to the lead. Right. In January. That's why there was a reason that happened. It happened because people looked at Biden and said he's not qualified. It wasn't until um, Sanders outcommied everybody. I like that. Outcommied. Mm-hmm. That they said, oh, wow. On second thought, he's not elected. Joe Biden, even with his incredible gaffes, even though, as Joe Rogan said, he should be in a mental hospital. Mm. Joe's a Democrat, not a Republican. Right. It's not not that Biden necessarily belongs in a mental hospital. I don't agree with that. <laughs> he he may he may need medical help in some way. I don't know. He may just be losing his memory because he's getting older. But that my my point is that mindset exists. To me, it's not going to affect how I vote. Right, right. But it's people, the independent out there. I was seeing the other day, and I don't. I saw the polls saying most people believe that Biden would handle. The uh, uh, coronavirus um, uh, better than Trump. I'm like, who's that? Right. Who are the Who are these people? Who are these people that actually think that? Uh, you know. And so that poll didn't carry a lot of weight with me. But when you think of Biden, everybody knows the fact that they wonder whether he's capable of being president. Yeah. That mindset is out there from everybody. Now it existed for Trump from the left. As we saw in the first year, year and a half. Remember all of that. Mm-hmm. Is Trump mentally you don't even hear those things anymore. Everybody right. knows that that was a line of that was that was a line of crap. Everybody right. knows it because nobody's saying it today. Yeah. With Biden, it's the gaffes. It's not knowing where he is. It's not knowing the position that he's running for. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um it it's it is something it's it really is um, beyond even gaff territory, Joe's Joe's a walking gaff, and he ha- has been for a long, long time. But this gets into other other territory where people actually start questioning his mental state, whether mm-hmm. he's healthy or not. You know, and that's a, a that is a great concern. And this is why, you know, I wonder what the party is thinking if you get into because right now it looks like. According to at least most estimates, he's going to be the nominee. Well, now you got to get on a debate stage with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump of 2020 is a, a 
much more knowledgeable in terms of the office because he's been there for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's this will be his second term. Um, he he knows a lot about the office. He's not going to be the newcomer. He's not going to be he'd be the amateur. He's still going to have. He still has the benefit of being the outsider, and that is a benefit. And yet he's been president, you know, for now uh, over three years. So you look at that and and on that debate stage in the fall, if Biden is performing like he's been performing or underperforming on the road with these gaffes, those debates could be horrible for him because it gives Biden more time for gaffes when it's just one on one. There are times when he, well, there was a time when he was better one-on-one on a debate stage and not with six other people up there. Right now, limiting his exposure is the best the party can hope to do. But during a debate, it's live and it's on. And in the fall debates, a lot of people are watching. And those gaffes aren't going to stop. I mean, I'm convinced Brad Parscale... Uh, has, you know, and, and I'm sure they do, they have plenty of Republicans who are going out and they're recording all of these campaign stops. They're attending the campaign stops, stops, recording them so that they can, you know, focus on those gaffes. That's what you do. Because right now that's Joe's weakness. Not just the ideas that he's promoting. He's all over the place with the ideas. You know, uh, most believe he is a moderate uh, and he's the so-called safe bet for the party. Who did I say? I think it was Tucker Carlson who said what we said, mm. that Joe will just do whatever he needs to do exactly. to, please yeah. the, to, to please the base of the party. I think Tucker Carl, Carlson said the same thing. He'll do whatever they tell him yep. to do. Yeah, he will. <laughs> I think he will. And it's, and it's different than a Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton would look at the polls and go, oh, okay, I'm going that way. And now Biden just looks at the party. You know, So if AOC mm-hmm. wants to take him in a direction, if he were to be president... You know, okay, yeah, I'll go that way. Or at least on the campaign trail, he can do that. He's safe to do that on the campaign trail and forget about the promises once you're sworn in office. Well, this is, and and this is, again, I think this is going to be the problem that they have. You know, they want Joe, but do you really want Joe? Because once, once it becomes, you know, we move past next week and past the end of this month and you look at him becoming the, you know, the, uh, the nominee, all the focus is on him. And that's when he has to start talking about ideas. And it can't be this, I want to, uh, I saw a Bill Crystal tweet, here are, are, here are some Republicans who are voting Democrat tomorrow. We know, Bill. We get it. We get the whole never, and it was three guys, by the way. And they all said, you know what they said? We want someone who can bring the country together. <laughs> God, that is so warm. Well, it's, it's Seriously, like, well, it's, it's so warm. We're not having a birthday party here, <laughs> folks. Come on. Bring the, we want to bring people together. He did say we that want, la- he did say that last week though, uh, 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 over the weekend also. Yeah, right. Uh, that and you you saw that come out. I'm the person to bring American together. Look, we all know that's a joke. Everybody right. knows it's a joke, but you say that because you really don't want to be talking about the substance. Because it's easier just to say I'm bringing everybody together. I was right. we were talking about even in, in uh, Sanders' campaign stop with AOC. It was all generic, right? Yeah. It's all generic. It's almost as if well, we really don't want to talk about anything of substance. Well, that ends when you get just the two left. When yeah. the two are left, that's all that matters, right? 
because you're going to have direct attacks at Biden every single day that he's going to have to respond to. Right. Or somebody's going to have to respond. Yeah. You and I talked about Hillary Clinton when she ran, and we the advice we gave her was get out of the public. And then we found out later on that's what the campaign was trying to do, keep her out of the public, because whenever she was out there in public speaking, yeah. people didn't like what she had to say. Right. And, you know, the you, you look at it and the younger demographics in some areas weren't showing up in the primaries for the Democrats. That's a problem. Those are Bernie's people. And if they're willing to stay home in the, in the primaries when Bernie is in, then you know they're willing to stay home in the fall when for Biden Joe, is the guy. No, that's a great, great point. And so if they're not energized by Bernie, they're not energized at all. They won't be on mm-hmm. November 3rd. And that's why we hear, well, the vice president... Uh, Vice presidential, excuse me, vice presidential candidate right. will bring those young people in. No, they won't. Not if no, it won't because even Bernie's not doing that, and no. he's and he's the no. one to bring young people in. Yep. And so, so it, it, I don't see anybody that you can add to that ticket that's going to bring young people in. And and that's a problem. You look at the breakdown of those demographics, and if the young people again, if they're not showing up for Bernie, they're not going to show up for Biden in the fall. Just the way it works. And I think that's, you know, the and I think the 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 whole, you know, we we hate Trump thing. I don't think that's the motivator for young people, even though they may. And they're not motivated by anybody on the left to get that over the top for them. And if that continues, if that trend continues, they're in trouble. Trump wins with no problem. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley. I'm Gary McNamara. Let's quickly go to Ralph in Washington, D.C. Ralph, you're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. You're on. Um, uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, What I was uh, suggesting I would say is that I'm in rare agreement with you guys on on your feelings that uh, Trump is, rather that, (laughs) I'm sorry, that Biden is uh, past it mentally and actually has perhaps some sort of impairment. Uh, I'm willing to put that aside and still vote for him. Okay, you're a Biden uh, supporter, um, but that, but that you've just, indi- right. but you've just indicated the problem. You're willing to no, vote. Well, for- I don't think it's a. Well, you're I'm not willing to vote for him be- because I'm perfectly willing to have him quit the day after the election and have the vice president take over. That's right. Who would be in full capacity? Right. You're willing to do that, but by saying that, you've just identified the problem that many other Americans would not be willing to do because they're voting for a president, well, not a vice president. Yep. Wrong. I think most Americans would be willing to do almost anything to get rid of the current incumbent. You uh, would. You would. Yeah. In, yeah. Ind- uh, independent. Ind- ind- no, many independents don't feel the same way as you. Well, it, that's the no, point. They, they don't. And right. and that it's the people in the middle, not yes. the people on the far left. It's not you. It's not. It's not you. It's not me. Right. That's not far yeah. left, far right. Right. It's the people in the center, the independents that get you to the White House. Right. And they're not willing to do that for Joe Biden.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Pilot Flying J Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE, RedEyeRadioShow.com. We stream live, get our app, put it on your phone, and listen whenever you wish to listen to us. In the news this morning. That was yesterday, the closing bell. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down over 2,000 points. What about this morning? What's it looking like? Well, so far uh, up, let me just see the, the latest, uh, up 819 points, the Dow Futures. Just so everybody knows, that's so it's looking like a huge opening of between eight and 900 points if it uh, stays that way. Uh, looking at the Asian markets, all the Asian markets up, all the European markets up, the European markets up between two and, uh, and three percent, uh, and the Asian markets anywhere from roughly one to, uh, three percent. West Texas intermediate looking at oil prices, uh, uh, right now are at, uh, hang on. I had it here just a moment ago, uh, up, uh, almost three and a half percent here this morning. So, uh, at least it's looking so far like it's going to be a a pretty good day. The president yesterday announcing that there is going to be uh, they're going to be discussing some type of economic stimulus. The Democrats are talking about some type of economic stimulus. What they will eventually agree on, we do not know. But here is part of the conversation that uh, the president had uh, yesterday. It's not our country's fault. Uh, this was something that we were thrown into, and we're going to handle it, and we have been handling it very well. The big decision was early when we shut down our borders. We're the first ones ever to do that. We've never done that in our country before. We're also going to be talking about hourly wage earners getting uh, help so that they can uh, be in a position where they're not going to ever miss a paycheck. We're going to be working with uh, companies and small companies, large companies, a lot of companies, so that they don't uh, get penalized for something that's not their fault. It's not. We are going to be asking tomorrow. We're seeing the Senate. We're going to be meeting with uh, House Republicans, Mitch McConnell, everybody, and discussing a possible payroll tax uh, cut or relief, substantial relief, very substantial relief. That's a big. That's a big number. Well, we'll see where we'll go on that. Uh, the uh, Democrats are talking something different. They're talking about an extension of unemployment uh, and uh, mandating paid leave, paid mm-hmm. sick leave. Uh, they haven't put anything down on paper yet as to what they mean, whether it would be temporary, whether they're talking about trying to pass their permanent uh, paid family leave. We don't know here at the moment. Well, because if you look at what's going on with the economy, I mean, it doesn't make much sense to put that added cost of uh, paid leave on on those companies it doesn't mean that the democrats won't try and do that but what makes makes a lot more sense is to um either offer some kind of stimulus to those companies to be able to extend that to employees if needed 
uh, or, you know, something of that regard or some kind of, again, payroll tax cut uh, that could be short lived uh, just to get through this period. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Bernie Sanders calling it Super Tuesday 2.0. Mm. And uh, here we go. The, uh, the uh, six states up today. The big prize is uh, Michigan. Before we get to the polling, I just have to uh, uh, address, if you've been listening here, the last caller last hour who was a Biden supporter. Because mm-hmm. we were talking about the number of people on the far left that are looking uh, at Biden and saying he's completely and totally unacceptable. We we can't have him. And we uh, played last week, we played some from Michael Moore. We played uh, from a far left of uh, uh, a political uh, uh, analyst, uh, Cenk Uger, who said the same thing, just completely unacceptable. And then last hour we played uh, just a little bit of uh, Joe Rogan, who is a Bernie Sanders supporter, who came out and said he should be in a you know mental facility. Biden should be. Mm-hmm. And so we had a, our last caller uh, last hour stated he's a Biden supporter. And he said he agreed with us. I think he meant he agreed with Joe Joe Rogan that maybe Biden does do, should be in a mental institution, but that's okay. He's going to vote for him anyway because uh, whoever the vice president would be would be better than Trump. And our right. point to him was, well, of course you think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not who in the general election either side's trying to convince. Right. Trump knows that he's not going to get people like you to vote for him. Mm-hmm. His campaign knows it. Brad Parscale knows. They're not going to get you to vote for him. They're not trying to get you to vote for him. No. But it's really amazing that you, as a Biden supporter, believe what Joe Rogan said. That's really the amazing part, because you're making our point. You're not defending it and saying, no, Biden just has these gaps. You're saying, no, there's a possibility that he should be in a mental institution. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't know any conservative that said that. No, they, I they said, I know that uh, for for me, I I do have a great concern that there is something wrong with him. Yes, I never brought up mental institution. Right, no. Joe Rogan's the only one who did that. In when, when when we played that audio cut, and so for the caller to make that analogy, because he said I agree with you guys. Well, we didn't say it. Rogan said it. Right. Yeah, I believe you know Biden may be losing his memory. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he may have other problems. I don't know. Does he belong in a mental institution? Well, there's no indication of that whatsoever. But the fact that you're a Biden supporter and believe that and are saying, and, and that's why whoever they pick for vice president's okay. And uh, Americans think that way. No, they don't. No, you do. Never Trumpers might. Hmm. Bill Crystal might. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the majority of Democrats may think that, but that's not how you win elections. No. You win elections, you've you've made the case, and that was the incredible thing. The, the last caller made the case that he believes that Joe Biden should not be president of the United States. Yeah, right. That whatever mental incapacities he has are so great, but he doesn't care because whoever the vice president is better than Trump. Well, there's a ton of independents that disagree with you on that. Yeah, um, there may be a ton of Democrats that disagree with that. <laughs> right. Well, and and again, you know, breaking down the demographics of 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 what could happen in the fall, if Bernie is not bringing the young voters uh, to the polls, then then Biden is certainly not going to do that. In Bernie's state, home state of Vermont, over seventy percent of the electorate 
was over the age of 45. There was not one state on Super Tuesday where where the voter electorate under 30, the demographic under 30, made up more than 20%, and that includes California. And and that's, again, the Democrat primary where you are looking, you know, you would think that there would be, if there was going to be that those young people coming to the polls. Yep. We know that, for example, for the state of Texas, because we covered that, I think, Within 24 hours, we knew mm-hmm. that particular right. vote. But right. you've been doing some research here just, in fact, during the top of the hour. And and as you just related to everybody there, that the young people just aren't coming out. If they're not coming out for Sanders and they weren't coming out for anybody else, right. then they certainly aren't going to come out for Biden. Because Sanders is the guy to bring the people under under 30. Yes. And you, you see that yes. at his rallies. But it's not in huge numbers when it when it came to primary turnout on Super Tuesday. Even in his own state, only 11% of the electorate was under the age of 30. That's, again, that's, that's not, that's indicative of, of where you will be in the fall because if they're not energized by Bernie, forget about Biden. Right. But it's really, it's telling just, I know it's just one caller and it's anecdotal evidence, but it really is just telling that here's somebody, no, I'm a Biden supporter. I'd vote for Biden, even though I agree with, with uh, the fact that he may be mentally incapacitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And because whoever's vice president would be fine with me. Mm-hmm. Wow. You've just admitted a huge, because if you, and we stated it before, everybody knows Biden has a problem. That makes, thank you for making our point. Right. That there's some kind of problem there. People are thinking that in their mind. Well, you're a supporter of Biden and are saying, yeah, it's bad, but doesn't matter. We can put the other, the other, whoever he picks, doesn't matter who he picks, it's better than Trump. Right. And we understand that some people think that way. That's not going to be the vote that decides the election. No, it is not. Meanwhile, in Michigan, here are the, here are all the latest polls in Michigan. That's the big prize uh, later on today. Check this out. Okay. Uh, in the Monmouth poll, Biden up by 15 over Sanders. In the uh, Yahoo News YouGov poll, Biden up over 12 over Sanders. In the Detroit Free Press poll, Biden up 24 over Sanders. Mm. In the Mitchell Research poll, Biden up 21 uh, over Sanders. In the Target Insight poll... I just got to I've got to do some research just to see the methodology of this one. Mm-hmm. I just have to Biden up over Sanders by 41 points. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and here's the thing. When you look at this, you say, OK, you've got the target insight poll that show Biden's up over is up 41. You have the closest one, Yahoo News and YouGov, where Biden's only up by 12. Right. Somebody's wrong in their methodology there. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But the last poll that came out, though, this is the, the, the last poll. By the way, there seems to be more polls in the 20s than any of the other polls in the last. There's three polls in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And the last one, the Data for Progress poll, the Democrat poll, showed Biden with 59, Sanders with 38, Biden up 21 points. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. that's huge. And and we know that, the, uh, that Sanders and his campaign is hoping to have... What happened in 2016 happened again, which is where Hillary had double-digit lead. Yeah. And and yeah. he still was able to to pull that out. Problem here is you have some huge leads. Now, you don't have just double digits. You've got massive double-digit yeah. right. 
figures in some of these polling out, polls out there. And the fact is the wave has been moving this way over the last 10 days. It's not where this has been stagnant. Right. Yeah, it's it it has the energy is there. I think it was uh you know you you go back to uh the, the past weekend. I think the DNC and the Bernie uh, or the Biden campaign rather are working together to bring these endorsements together uh almost in a staggered way, right? Because if you think about Biden's campaign has never really been energized. I mean, until last week. But you get those endorsements. And these are endorsements that were opponents on the stage. And right now, Bernie doesn't have anyone who has dropped out of the race on officially endorsing him. And so that's a good point. It's you've got the other you've got Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. uh, You've got Mayor Pete and Klobuchar all on board with Biden officially. And I think it is a, I think it, I think yesterday's, uh, Monday morning's, uh, announcement by Cory Booker was part of that. Let's, let's, let's re-energize. It worked the last time, right? It worked, uh, on the Monday before Super Tuesday, uh, with Klobuchar and with, uh, Mayor Pete. Then you had over the weekend, this past weekend, Kamala Harris, now Cory Booker, um, could you have another, again, another staggered approach next week, a week from today? You have some significant states that are up for grabs. Uh, they include uh, Florida, Ohio, and Illinois. And they all have, a, the, each of them, a sizable amount of delegates available. And I think Arizona is also on St. Patrick's Day. It is. So Arizona. Um when you look at when you look at that, you could say if if this is a staggered approach to re-energize Biden right in the days before uh, a major election day, then could we see Elizabeth Warren come out this weekend and endorse Biden? I don't know if she helps Biden or not, but that could be the play. If she's going to endorse Biden, you wait and you do it right before uh, next Tuesday, March 17th. Yeah. But, of course, then you look at the numbers right now, and Biden doesn't need much help in Illinois. He doesn't need much help in in Florida. In Florida, right now, it's projected he would take all of the 219 uh, pledged delegates. That's because Bernie is not polling above 15% in recent polls. Warren did her damage by not endorsing Bernie when she was out. Sure, yeah. But if you're if you're the DNC and you're trying to get everybody else on stage in, in Biden's right. corner, could you see that play come this weekend? Again, yes. it's just a theory. Yes. Just a theory. Yes. Because that would be the you know, again, re energize the campaign, a new fresh face that's not Biden, and now you've got everybody else from that stage basically standing in Biden's corner. Eight six six ninety red up. Ted McKinney is the USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. If I have one legacy, I hope it is that we have helped to at least start diversifying our portfolio. In recent comments to the National Association of State Directors of Agriculture, he emphasized that although China has been a great market, it should not be the only one. When the soybean folks had the opportunities in China, you doggone right they're going to take it. 
when fruits and vegetable crops and nut crops open in so many markets, of course these markets are going to be chased by these people. But we've also seen what can happen when you're strung out and too long or too prominent in one market. He praised the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement as well as a deal with Japan. He also expressed optimism with India. That is where a lot of that $7.3 billion on the planet now going to 9 or 10 by 2050 that's where a lot of them are coming. And they're entering the middle class. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, I think we have something in common, everybody, because this morning I made it official. I have hereby endorsed Joe Biden for President of the United States. That was Cory Booker yesterday. You were talking about endorsements. Here's Biden. I've worked like hell for every vote here I can in the state. I don't expect anything. I uh, just hope I've been able to earn the votes, and I don't take anything. I'm not a pundit. I don't take anything granted to the polls close, and we'll see. I think it's going to be, uh, I, I hope to do well, but, you know, I, the polls have been wrong before. So uh, there's where you, uh, th- there's uh, where we stand, and, uh, you know, I-, I just don't know. I mean, you and I talked about the Nate Silver 538 forecast where, uh, it's now 99% for Biden and point something point, of 1% point for, 1% for Bernie Sanders. For Bernie, yeah. There, there just is no, there is no, there is no pathway. And uh, if Super Tuesday 2.0, as they're calling it, goes in the direction that many people believe, uh, it's over. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it will be it, over. It, and, and it's... Um, because the momentum just won't be there for Bernie. It's just right. not going to happen. And looking at the polls from Illinois and Florida last week. Yeah. Or, you know, next week. Excuse me. Not Right. Yeah. And and I, I think, again, and those are some pretty big states next week. Looking at those next week, it could definitely yep. be over. Here's your forecast. Rain for Southern California on Tuesday and the frontal boundary over the plains and upper Midwest will continue to move eastward on Tuesday as well. A stationary boundary will extend across southern Canada into Maine. An area of low pressure over Kansas moves through Michigan on Tuesday. The eastern portion of the front across Maine will aid in producing light to moderate snow in the colder air and some mixed precipitation with a south to southeasterly flow. Rainfall will push through the Ohio and Tennessee valleys on Tuesday. A storm system over the Pacific Ocean will move eastward into Tuesday. Increasingly heavier rain may be with some thunder and lightning as possible as the cold front approaches the California coast. Temperatures over the lower 48 will mostly be above normal outside the southwest on Tuesday. There's your national forecast from Red Eye Radio. I'm Christopher Cruz.
powerful people, corrupt and arrogant, who think they can get away with anything. Gary McNamara <laughs> and Eric Harley on Red Eye Radio. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Dow futures up 938 right now, and uh, Asian and European markets also up significantly. Uh, Asian markets anywhere between 1% and uh, 3%, and looks like the European markets across the board almost all uh, at uh, the 3% mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, oil Good. oil also up, uh, uh, the West Texas Intermediate also up 5%. So it looks like if this if the the uh, stock market opened up right now, it'd mm. be up between nine hundred and a thousand points. That's good, just so uh, people know. Because yesterday was awful. Well, I was really as- bad. I was still asleep. I woke up and I went, "Oh boy!" <laughs> I looked at the yeah. headline. You you actually were up and 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 watched the first fifteen. Well, minutes. the opening <laughs> bell was just uh, it was just horrible. Just boom, uh, a drop, a crash of seven point two. <laughs> percent like immediately it was like within, within like in the first yeah, minute or yeah because it w- yeah. well it was in the first five or six minutes yeah and then when they hit that mark because that's one of the uh, triggers uh seven percent then they halt trading for 15 minutes right and then if it gets above 12 percent drop then they halt trading again and then above 20 they shut the doors for the day and i saw one projection yesterday morning about the time we left here that there was a very decent chance that they could close Wall Street today, close trading today, and um, that it's it's interesting because then the idea, the speculation got out there. Well, what if they did that for all the markets globally? That probably was that was never going to happen. Um, but you look at the international effect of what was going on, and and frankly, it you know it became scary. I would never want to do that for a living. By the way, I'd never want to be a trader. For a living, I don't know how you. I don't know how you get through your day. Neither do I. I mean, it's just a day like that. Now, you know, the recent years have been pretty good, right? Is there like an adrenaline rush when you do that job every day? I mean, you go in all psyched, like, well, it's going to be great. Or all right, you look at you look at the plays this morning, and and what's going on is obviously uh, people are trying to get uh, get in on some bargains, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they look at the big players here whose stocks have have tanked or, or dropped significantly that will likely survive the, all of this. And that's where you go. So the oil companies that will survive this whole price war uh, because they believe it's going to be short-lived, you start going back into those stocks. Because if you get a chance to buy an ExxonMobil, mm-hmm. you know, which would be a solid stock, then, of course, you buy an ExxonMobil. And their stock dropped. So this morning with the consensus pretty much being by most analysts that that Russia and Saudi Arabia will come to some agreement on production cuts, then that that takes you to new territory saying, okay, we don't know how long this is going to go on, but it will be short-lived, and these are the major players who will survive it, and you, you buy in there. And I'm guessing that's what's going on, but when you see the trend right now by the energy stocks uh, this morning, some big names that are in overnight trading doing fairly well, and are on the upside, that seems to be the play. You know, the, the the stock market can be like just our raw emotions at the moment, can't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because you and I yesterday, when we heard about, you know, I'm sure when we first heard about uh, the whole dispute between Saudi Arabia and Russia 
and what was going on with OPEC and mm-hmm. wanting to have the production cuts and couldn't come to an agreement. And then Saudi Arabia says we're going to drastically lower the price, which means they'd be pumping more. Right. I think both you and I probably had the same reaction. We went, okay, but it can't last. Right. Because there is no winner there. But the immediate reaction is sell. And within 24 hours, even though there has not been a new agreement, most people look at it and said, well, there really is no incentive for, there really is no incentive not to come to a deal for either of those countries. Right. Because they want it, they want it in their own self-interest is to have the price go back up over 40 and hopefully back to 50 or 60 bucks. That's why they were at the table to begin to begin with. Yes. Right, exactly. They were looking to cut right. production so, so that they could pair some of those losses based on coronavirus. And then when they both walked away and decided they were going to go into a price war and, and Saudi Arabia decided they were just going to flood the market with supply, then uh, that's what caused uh, what happened over the weekend. Actually, it was right. it was late Sunday into Monday, most of it. But then you saw the analysis yesterday from most of the energy experts. Well, this really can't last. And yeah, right. Then it was like, okay, well, you start here and then. Then all of a sudden today you see energy stocks are skyrocketing and mm-hmm. oil is slowly, uh, uh, you know, going up. And it's almost as if, okay, calmer heads have prevailed based on what? Based on what is in the economic interest for those parties that maybe made a rash judgment at a particular point to make some kind of point, but the world looking at them and, and even investors looking at them and saying, well, you know, this isn't going to last. Right. I just find it interesting to, to how the mindset goes. Yeah, it's it's an interesting psychology because, you know, as humans, we're um, when there's uncertainty, we're almost in that uh, fight or flight mode you know and of course when when it comes to trading it's it's flight not fight you know mm-hmm. you 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 look at the situation that that uh that 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 happened over the weekend now you go back to okay let's say they they do cut production saudi arabia you know it's it's a there's a threshold there's a balance you don't want to make it too expensive because then demand starts to go down so right. you, you find that balance of where that is. And, and it's typically over the last couple of years, uh, been somewhere between, you know, 55 and $70 a barrel, right? That's mm-hmm. where the consumer, right. the net consumer being us, that's kind of where we live. That's, you know, you start getting up into 80 and 90 bucks a barrel. And then you start, people start, you know, curtailing, uh, they, and, and the demand goes down. So it is one of those delicate, balances and the the mindset is all over the place right now because especially with oil it's a couple of different things it's the pricing war and trying to decide where to set that limit on production and then of course it's the coronavirus and will there be a much lower demand based on people not flying uh, not getting on cruise ships not going to the stores much in their own neighborhood i mean there all of that is in play and 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 we're kind of in as the net consumer, we are really in that well, fight or flight and, mode as well. 
based on the uncertainty of coronavirus. And, and I don't know how you price in because it's unprecedented how many right. companies are saying, look, you can work from home. Right. Work from home for the next couple of weeks. Right. Which could depress the use of gasoline in the United States and around the world. And you see Italy, mm-hmm. what they've done. Right. Well, that's going to affect the world market if they basically told tens of millions of people, you're all quarantined. Right. Exactly. Nobody goes out for two weeks. Right. Whoa. Well, I mean, and where does it end, right? I right. mean, you uh, you look at the situation with Paul Gosar and Ted Cruz. You had one guy at CPAC who was confirmed to have had coronavirus. Uh, Gosar and Ted Cruz both shook hands with the guy. They self-quarantined. You know, that's that's two weeks off of the floor. And now, in fact, they're looking at a measure that would allow them to vote from home. Well, you saw that, in too, Congress. the folks that went to CPAC and mm-hmm. that they still don't know. The majority of people don't know the names and the screams of elitism. Wait a minute. Why does the Congress people get to know who had this? Well, we need to keep private. Well, there wasn't privacy concerns for those people. Right. What about other people? And well, so it's again, just, if we're looking at a pandemic, if we're looking at right. uh, the threat of a huge uh, pandemic or eventually epidemic or whatever, then you've got to, it's about the the public safety and see this is the other thing too now you have corporations that are limiting travel because think about this the corporations put one uh, they're they're sending a group to a convention let's say it's four or five employees Mm -hmm. those four or five employees are on a plane with 200 plus other people one person on that plane uh comes down with coronavirus and then all of a sudden they're notified everybody else is on that plane has to self-quarantine so if you've got Five people from your crew, from your office on that plane, and they've got a quarantine for for two weeks each. That's 10 weeks of manpower down the drain. And if you're at a convention that has 50,000 people or 10,000 people and you get back on the, you know, and and then you get back on the plane and then you find out somebody at the convention, then every single plane that came from that convention and every single person on that plane right. might be in self-quarantine at that particular point, yep. which then cuts into the productivity of the workforce. Right. I mean, it, it becomes a real, right. real problem very quickly because, again, that uh, there is that gray area, that balance between overabundance of caution and and the and and panic. You know, we were you and I were talking about uh, uh, people that uh, have hypertension. The mortality rate is greater. Yes. Much greater. Well, now you've gotten into the business traveler sector. I mean, tons of business travelers have hypertension. Well, you know, I was looking at, they, they say diabetics, for example, and I'm type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. which which with metabolic syndrome, you get, you know, you get uh, high blood sugar. Right. Which you could get, you get, uh, you uh, hypertension is a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you get hypertension. Now, everything's under control mm-hmm. with diet and drugs and everything else. But and I asked you the question, I said, well, they're saying people with hypertension. Technically, I have it, but I don't because mm-hmm. it's under control. And I'm like, please explain to me. Am, am, am I more exactly. susceptible to it? Well, if, until you get that answer, if you were scheduled to go somewhere, uh, you know, that was in question. I mean, certainly if you were going to fly out to, you know, the West Coast. Yeah. You'd have to rethink that. Yeah. And again, this is not to instill fear or or panic. This is how people react on a very basic level. They're going to act in their own self-interest until there are more 
questions that can be uh, answered. They're, they're going to have to have a lot more answers than they have right now. You know, we all see the jokes about the value of toilet paper and everything else. You were showing me the, the meme of uh, Scarface. Yes. Al Pacino as Scarface sitting in the, you know, there at his desk. And instead of cocaine. piles of cocaine, it's piles of toilet paper. <laughs> um but it's it, funny. I mean, it's yeah, it's funny. It's you know, we can we can have our fun with it, but we we will act you know with an abundance of caution until there are more answers. All right, I got to play the audio cut of the day. All right, are All right, you ready for this? What do you got? Uh, get, this is our audio cut of the day. Gavin Newsom on Sunday when asked about the coronavirus and Trump's response. One All of the right. most liberal governors in the United States. Yeah, we had a we had a private conversation, but he said we're going to do the right thing, and you have my support, uh, all of our support, uh, logistically and otherwise. So I, before he made those statements publicly, I had a private conversation with him around 4:30 uh, West Coast time, uh, and he said everything uh, that I could have hoped for, uh, and we had a very long conversation, uh, and every single thing he said, they followed through on. So I'm I'm just not interested in and finding daylight uh, on those statements because uh, every single thing, his administration, and it starts at the top, uh, including the vice president, uh, has been consistent with uh, the expectation that we repatriate these passengers and we do it in a way that does justice to the spirit that defines the best of our country and the state of California. There you go. There you have it. 866-90-RED-EYE. Shell recently launched Shell Rotella T6 15W40 full synthetic. Megan Pino is Shell Rotella global brand manager and tells us what was behind the development and more about the product. We are excited to launch this new full synthetic Shell Rotella T615W40. This is the first time we have a full synthetic in 15W40 viscosity range. We know that truckers love 15W40. That is the primary viscosity grade used in the U.S. and Canada and really in many parts of the world as well. So our customers can enjoy some of the benefits of cold temperature properties, low temperature and high temperature, allowing for the oil to flow faster into the engine and protect it better. Having a full synthetic also allows for extended drain opportunities for those that are trying to push the limits a little bit. But we always recommend following their manufacturer recommendations and doing oil analysis to ensure that they are changing when appropriate. For more, go to Rotella.com. This engine report is a service of Shell Rotella. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. It will be interesting to see where the Democrats go today on economic stimulus and where the Republicans go on economic stimulus because of the coronavirus. Yeah, 352 delegates up for grabs. The Those those would be the uh, pledged delegates in six states, Michigan being the biggest in terms of delegates. And uh, we'll see where that uh, all ends up, and we'll be here tonight. Yep. For the Wednesday show to bring you all the results from those six states. And finally, Dow Futures, as we end the show, mm-hmm. up right now 1,033 points. Let's hope that holds.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.